The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day. you can think of right off at the top of your head that makes you want to go out and break shit. In I Boston? Mean, that Probably one, not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's just rowdy. That's just rowdy. And I'm good. We, we went with that tune because I haven't heard it in a while. Yeah. And I did go through that, especially up here in New England, yeah. that little bit of oversaturation, if you will, <laughs> with the Dropkick Murphys. But they, they are a fan favorite up here in right. Boston. Oh, yeah. But then when you, it's one of those songs that when you don't hear it in a while and then you do, you're like, Get your blood boiling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good stuff. It's good fun. Good fun. And, 
typically it, it has the song itself has a has an interesting history. Oh my! Here how, we go. Yeah, I don't know how many how many people know this, but uh, the song was based on uh, a poem or a lyric that was written by Woody Guthrie. Okay. And uh, apparently the Murphys put it to music uh-huh. and uh, and launched it. It first appeared on a 2004 album called "Give Him the Boot Four. I don't know it's volume four or whichever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, immaterial because they re-recorded it and put it on their 2005 album, The Warrior's Code, uh, which went golden, I think, which is probably what a lot of people are familiar with. However, the song uh, just absolutely catapulted, absolutely blew up mm-hmm. when it was featured in the uh, soundtrack for the 2006 film, The Departed. Exactly. Which, yep. I mean, it's, that's one of those films along with The Town Mm-hmm. Um, and along with um, what was the film that Matt, Matt Damon did where he was the mathematical genius oh, Goodwill Hunting Goodwill Hunting mm-hmm. where if you're from that area you know you just you kind of you kind of don't like the films you're kind of sick of the films that every once in a while you got to fire it up anyway sure because sure. it, it scratches that <laughs> peculiar itch that you get yep. and uh, but uh, but yeah getting back to uh, shipping up to Boston very unique concept you know mm-hmm. guy going up there because he lost his wooden leg <laughs> And he's like, like really, who hasn't know, been there? I know, I and mean, it, it happens, it does, you know. But he's apparently, I don't know, down in Philadelphia or some shit. Or is the wooden leg really uh, an acronym for is flask? Oh, all right, we're getting into maybe, the metaphors maybe, now. Is it metaphorical maybe. for? Yeah. Well, if you're talking about going to Boston, it could very well be. Sure, it could very well be. But yeah, it 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 you know is is quite well known that if you fire that tune up at Fenway Park, no doubt, you know, in the summertime when the Sox are playing. You know, you're going to have a riot on your hands, basically. Right. You know, people are going to be throwing chairs and shit. You know, it's crazy. And it's a great way to start this episode. And tell the good folks, oh, yeah. you know, why did we go with this? Well, what we're we got still, going on? still rolling, you know, with the Americana theme with yes. the gems. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it very, very uh, connected to, you know, new year, new president, new administration. Mm-hmm. New, new, what, new. Yeah, what we're, what we're all <laughs> hoping is new energy and, and, and better days in front of us. Uh, so yeah, just just you know, show a little pride uh, yeah. for the it's USA. Our, our, our audible road trip, if you will. Yes, we're doing the old Charles Kralt thing, <laughs> and uh, much like last episode, we're gonna start I, on the East Coast. I hi- highly doubt Charlie's dr- drinks as much <laughs> as we do. <laughs> Before he does his thing and do ours, but... Well, yeah. he also had a, a, a crew and handlers and whatnot. We have nothing but our own devices. Yeah, and he had a budget and uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a paycheck. Yeah. So this week, but, uh, yeah, uh, you good know... fun. Good way to start the show, though, yeah. I gotta say. We traded in New York. We went yep. a little ways north up yep. on I-95, and we started at Boston. Yeah. So, yeah. So who knows where we're going to go later on in the show. Knows? So stay tuned, because, yep. yeah, it's a, it's a big place. There's a lot of great music that's, that's mm. based on... You know, different regions, different parts of uh, the U.S., and people's interpretation yes. of different parts of yeah. the U.S. So, yeah, it's an interesting vein to, that, to that's part to be of our. You know, speaking of veins, uh, kind of a, <laughs> a, a vein that we're uh, or, or tapping into frequently is uh, kind of like the whole unity common interest kind of thing. Wishful thinking. Yeah. Wishful thinking for a couple of sarcastic, cynical. <laughs> Fuckers like you and me. And man. even in benign subjects, we find a way to divide ourselves. <laughs> now, having said that, there's a, a little piece of cinema coming up on the horizon. Yes. Name of Godzilla versus King Kong. See, now we're talking about unity here, because this is something we can all rally on, you know? I mean, the movie we can all get behind. Yeah. But like good Americans, we need to choose sides. Of course. Of course. And is is typical of our relationship, John and I here at, uh, at Big Boom Radio. We're on different sides of this particular and subject. And I love as the well. way this worked out because it's something we both wanted to talk about. 
and you kind of threw out a, 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 a tepid question of, uh, well, I, I, I'm a Godzilla guy. Where do you stand? And I'm like, son of a bitch, I am Kong all day long. King Kong ain't got shit on me. And I knew that was coming, and I figured the furniture was going to fly when we started yes. talking about that. But yeah, it's typical of uh, how we do things here yeah. at uh, Riffs and Rants. And again, like, it really is typical because we love both of them. Oh, yeah, know? absolutely. But absolutely. for my money, and from what you've, you've told me, I've learned all this stuff about you and what a big fan you are of all these, you know, the, the oh, concepts it's, it's, of, it's, of Godzilla. It's that iconic. I, I know. It's iconic. It has, a, it has a, an incredible history, though. I must admit, I did not know, and uh, you enlightened me. Uh, to the fact that Kong actually predates Godzilla by two decades or more, mm-hmm. I believe. So, yeah, long history with, with both characters and, uh, and very interesting history, I must say, especially since it, it is going to uh, seemingly come to the fore in March mm-hmm. with uh, the new... And what was the, what's the official title of the movie? Do you I know? think it is just Godzilla versus King Kong. Is it? Yep. Yeah. And I know they made reference to it um, at the end of the 2019 uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters. Mm-hmm. You know, something about the Titans heading to Skull Island. Right. And it was like, ooh. You know, yep. whenever they tease the sequel... And that, so, was a, that was a good tease. It I was. mean, as, as we break this down, it's like, where do you start? It's, that's a tough call. It truly um, is. Well, I'll tell you what, let me hit with some snippets. Because in, in the Pantheon, because both of these characters have, have had so many incarnations in so many movies. Oh, um, yeah. And they, t- they touch on, I know they touch on your childhood. They touch on my childhood yes. as well. And I suspect a lot of people out there who are listening to us have those memories that take you back to those days. Yep. And, uh, and to and that, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So, you know, from my end of things, and I'm only going first because King Kong's just a little bit older than Godzilla. <laughs> but he, but he, he, he's carrying it well, I got to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he you know, still looks good. You know, he's good. Ape don't crack or whatever they say. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> as a kid, I always loved the 1933 vision and yep. version. And to this a day... A classic. Yes. And to this day, it's in my, if not... Top five, maybe top three, I don't know, yeah. of, of all time favorite movies. So quotable. It wasn't the airplanes. It was beauty killed the beast. Um, so entertaining on so many different levels. Yeah. The older it gets, I think the better it gets. And the first uh, quote unquote adult movie that uh, I went to see with my family was the 1976 remake of Kong. And it's funny because we have common ground on that yep. because of all the Kong films out there. And I do love... The 1933 version, its campiness and, and whatnot. And I don't know what it is about the, the campiness that makes it so cool. Yeah. It just makes it absolutely cool. <laughs> you know, it brings me back to Saturday afternoons watching Creature Feature. Exactly. You know, or if yep. you were lucky, Creature Double Feature, where they back-to-back a yep. couple of horror films. Do you remember Lionel Kitty City? No. That wasn't a brand up here? They were like so, neck no. and neck with Toys R Us. It was a big, big brand. Okay. And New, in, in New York on WOR, I think it was every Easter for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why they picked the Easter. Easter, wow. But Lionel Kitty City would sponsor like an all-day marathon of the 1933 version of oh, King nice. Kong. So nice. after I inhaled my Easter basket, you know my ass <laughs> was sitting there on the couch Watching this over Crank and over, up on sugar, right? Yeah. And my dad would walk in. He's like, "You still watching this?" I'm like, "Dad, it's all day. This is time number five. Yeah. Well, up here in the Boston area, um, on the legendary WSBK TV channel 38, so regional, which was which was a UHF channel, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. back in the day that you had to wrestle with the yep. with the uh, the rabbit ears antenna to get in right. On Saturdays, they had uh, at one o'clock they had Creature Double Feature, where they'd give you back to back films. Yep. And then at I believe it was 11 or 11:30. Saturday night, they threw in another one. They throw in a creature feature, just right. a single film. 
And if you were lucky, you could con the babysitter or you know, you could slip around mom and dad and somehow mm-hmm. you know, get in front of the TV for that. And it was right. dark. It wasn't like watching a horror film in the afternoon. It mm-hmm. was late at night. <laughs> and that gave everything you watched that extra, extra creepy uh, uh, kind of factor to it, you know? Well, I tell you, let me, let me throw out two little Yeah, uh, let's talk about factoids. con for a minute. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, the, the first one came out in 1933, and there was, uh, much like this Peter Jackson remake of a few years ago, they had uh, originally this scene where when the crew gets shaken off the log into the yep. pit, yep. they didn't just die, they fell into this pit, and apparently, somehow, they had these spiders coming out and eating some of these hapless oh, wow. crewmen, All right. but after the first uh, viewing in Hollywood... They looked at the reaction of the audience and felt it was too shocking. <laughs> they were like freaking and, out and yeah, running and from the immediately yeah. cut it, never to be seen again. Yeah. Okay. Well, I got to say, in the Peter Jackson version of it, that's pretty it's, gory it and grisly. Kind of, yeah, kind of <laughs> gives you, makes your skin crawl, kind of makes you go, yeah. Yep. And they use the Peter Jackson uh, patented treatments of slow mo plus silence. Yes. Just yes. to make it that much nasty. Yeah. Yeah. It was gruesome when those guys got gobbled. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. pretty gruesome, I got to say. So you had that and then also a, a, a cut that was put in fairly early um, after the release was a scene where when Kong breaks through the wall he goes off on the natives oh no kidding and this is the original this version? is the original okay he's putting them in his mouth he's biting their heads off he's <laughs> stepping on them in the mud uh, uh, nice. and that version would occasionally escape to the TV audiences. I don't the know. Un, the uncut were, version? Yes. Nice. So you would never see the pit with the spiders, but you would occasionally see him go off on the natives, which I think should be included. Of I course. Mean, he's pissed off. Yeah. You know. For understandable reasons. Right, right. Yeah. And in, in later versions, like the 76, they kind of included that. He was yep. biting people. He was a little more vindictive of, of a King Kong. Yeah, he definitely, the 76, uh, 76 version, he had a vicious side. Yes, and he did, I believe, squish Mr. Charles Grodin. There is nothing Yes, he stepped on him. <laughs> yep, yeah, yep. yeah, that was that was an epic scene. Which in the again movie. is not the way you want to go, right? <laughs> no stepped doubt. on, squished, whatever. Yeah. And another interesting tidbit from the thirty-three version, which we haven't discussed yet, All right. is that in true backwards American nineteen thirties cinema, the natives that they meet on the island yeah. are portrayed by African Americans. One would assume, right? The natives during the whole uh, Radio City Hall, Radio City Music Hall presentation of Kong yeah. are all performing in blackface. In blackface. I had a funny yep. feeling you were going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Again, just different times. Yeah. You know, but it, even in the 30s, that was common. So they stayed true to, you know, the, just the way things were done then. And it's yeah. another way of just looking in this little time capsule of what was and wasn't acceptable to oh, audiences. Yeah. And, and yet another campy element. Right, you know, to 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 cinema of that yep. day. If if you don't, you know, let yourself get too offended by it. Yeah, and then the, the Peter Jackson version, he went with what we both agree are really creepy Highlanders. They were seriously creepy because man. they're nothing. They almost have like a bronze tint to them. Well, it's like it's like ash or something. Yeah, but yeah. very fine, like European features on yep. them. Yep. So he avoided that whole because it's been something that's always kind of come up in the King Kong movies. Yep. Is yep. the portrayal of the natives? Are you being fair to them? Are you being disrespectful? So he avoided that whole thing and kind of made up his own gene, <laughs> genus species. You know, yeah, yeah. that's why didn't I think of that? Yeah, but well, um, if they're indigenous to Skull Island, right? They, they could be anything. They and could. I think he put his in somewhere in the Indian Ocean, 
whereas the uh, originals had it someplace in off of Africa or really? the South Pacific, even, which again made, made no sense. But yeah. There's my little King Kong snippets, and I know you've got a plethora of knowledge for Godzilla. Almost oh, yeah. like you're going to convert people to your cause. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what you progressives do. I, I, I am, yeah. I am the, the evangelical Godzilla fan here. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, it's, it's, I always thought, I mean, you know, just like you, I saw the, you know, saw the originals and whatnot, um, but there was something about Godzilla that, that appealed to me I got to admit, a little bit more than King Kong. Mm-hmm. I mean, just as far as being um, the de facto king of the monsters, right, right. you know. I mean, scale-wise, this was a beast that could look down, you know, over twenty or thirty-story buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, in the original uh, version, as you watch it, you know they bring him up in the shadows, mm-hmm. and it's just it's scary as hell. Ominous, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you're an eight, nine-year-old kid and you're watching this, sure. And uh, and the, you know the Godzilla original had the same kind of camp quality mm-hmm. that the King Kong original did, you know, all about 20 years later. Um, but, uh, yeah, a couple of fun facts for, for the Godzilla go, fans out there. <laughs> we're nerding out today. The original... <laughs> we're nerding out hard, man. But uh, the original uh, film came out in 1954, and uh, it was a Japanese film. It uh, was not distributed, you know, in Europe or America and whatnot. And it bore some considerable and some notable differences to the... 1956 Americanized version, mm-hmm. which is actually the version that you and I saw, okay. you know, for the first time around. The original version was highly politicized. You know, it had a lot of elements of Japanese politics in it and, mm-hmm. and at that time. And I think just about everybody who knows anything about the Godzilla films knows that Godzilla was a metaphor for Japanese fear of nuclear annihilation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, this was... You know, not even 15 years after we bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And uh, the Japanese, that was still a little bit more than just a concern to them. Right. You know, particularly with the U.S. and the Soviets squaring off and, you know, it came to be known as the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the 1956, quote-unquote, Americanized version that featured Raymond Burr, <laughs> who was Canadian, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. Um, basically, that makes it, the movie even more exotic. I know. It's kind of funky, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Perry Mason was a Canadian. Yeah. But, uh, but they shot his scenes, and then they uh, edited them into the film. Hmm. A prehistoric monster the Japanese call Godzilla has just walked out of Tokyo Bay. Which is why, you know, he's speaking English, and the other characters are subtitled. They're still speaking Japanese. I did not know that. Yeah, it's a very, very funky thing. And in the Americanized version, uh, they actually shortened the length of the film and deleted a lot of the political references mm-hmm. that the Japanese made in the 1954 original. Hmm. And uh, I believe that that, uh, that film itself wasn't uh, made available to Western critics until sometime around 2004. Hmm. Um, it kind of went into the vaults in Japan when the Americanized version took off. I mean, that was right. the version that was released in Europe as well. Uh, so yeah, kind of kind of an interesting thing going on that, that with the original, the Japanese did have an agenda to it. It was making a statement, making a social mm-hmm. comment, if you will. Uh, but uh, the Godzilla... Uh, film franchise, if you will, has gone on to become recognized by Guinness as the longest-running uh, film series uh, ever created, which is kind of interesting. Mm. It's, a, it's a monster film, you know? Right. Um, I do have to uh, point out that there have been over 30 Godzilla films made since the 19, 
54 slash 1956 original. Mm -hmm. And I must say, most of them suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then again, you know... Most oh, of them can't be out of control. Sure. Though the... the Kong versus Godzilla uh, film that was in the early 1960s, 62 I believe. 62 or 63. For whatever reason. So bad. Yeah, but just because it's Kong versus Godzilla, yeah. it's cool. It's yeah. totally cool, you know? <laughs> but King Kong, it, it's it's the absolute worst costume ever. Oh, Jesus. I mean, no. it's like you can see the mask separate from the guy's face. So, like, the eyes don't even look realistic. And they spend a, a good portion of the film building up to the actual <laughs> yeah. brawl yeah. between Kong and Godzilla. It doesn't happen until near the end of the film, if I remember correctly. Yeah, thankfully, because it was just <laughs> not, not a really good piece of cinema. But, um, you know, as we were going over this, folks, I, you know, I always tend to think back when these movies first aired, yeah. you know, and for the reasons that both of us mentioned for both of our, you know, original King Kong, original Godzilla, yeah. they still play well but we've also got the benefit of perspective. True, you know? very true. And I wonder if sitting in those audiences, in your case in 1954, with a lot of veterans of the Pacific campaign of World War II in the audience, yeah. were they cheering when Godzilla was just ripping the shit out of Tokyo? It very, was a different very good thing, question. You know? en I mean, entirely possible. Entirely possible. We may not at that point in time have you know gotten over our our, right. our anger and resentment towards the Japanese dragging us into World War Two. And the other thing, I mean, as far as I know, don't quote me on this, but that was probably the precursor to something we've talked about before, which was the whole atomic age monster movie concept of things oh, yeah. getting mutated and enlarged you know, because of atomic weapons and oh, whatnot. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of fear of nuclear energy at that mm -hmm. point in time. Again, you know, when the Godzilla film came out, it was... I know, think right it was the, the first one. I mean, because after that, you yeah. had the ones with... I forget the name, with the giant spider that goes to the Nevada <laughs> desert or the 50-foot woman. Them, all that came the giant afterwards. ants. You remember that? Yeah, the yeah. giant... Was it an was, ant? Yeah, yep, it was yep. an ant. It was yeah. an ant. Um, but yeah, the whole nuclear age, yeah. you know, created monsters became a thing, very much became a thing in cinema at that point yep. in time. Whereas with Kong, even going back then, you know, there was um, the not very good sequel, Son of Kong. Yeah. Okay, which yeah. at least had most of the same actors and whatnot in it. And then, of course, the infamous Mighty Joe Young. I do remember that. Yes, and uh, and and I actually really enjoyed Mighty Joe Young. That was a because that fun was more film like a, right. Day. It was like a family kind of film. Yeah, and starred uh, what was that? I believe Ben Johnson, the famous like cowboy movie yep. star. He was in yep. that. So it was again a you know genre bending kind of thing. Oh, yeah, and with all things Hollywood, they remade. You know, Mighty Man. Joe Young, a version just recently had to have been just recently because I remember Charlize Theron. Yep, and was Bill Paxton. And Bill I Paxton. I think it was yes. early two thousand. Don't okay. quote me on that. Yeah. Now, the other thing, in, in terms of social impact, you know, it just seems kind of odd, again, from an uh, ignorant, ugly American perspective, <laughs> that the representative of Asia, who, you know, in American media and, 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 and cinema, they, in pop culture, let's say, they, they portray the, the Asian people through misunderstanding as uh, cold and somewhat reptilian. They, and they it's odd that do. their champion should be a giant, reptile. a giant reptile, whereas King Kong, even though he's racking up a body count and a lot of property damage, we kind of like him because he's like us. He has a heart, and he falls in love, and, and he's, he's a, a sympathetic and hero. And he's a mammal. And he's a mammal, baby. <laughs> and yeah, Weird. There's, well, there's, there's, there's <laughs> definitely ties with King Kong to the whole Beauty and the Beast concept. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, iconic. Mm -hmm. um, in American literature, of course, and it's it's funny you should mention that little little fun fact with Godzilla. Um, immediately prior to them 
uh, locking in the script and deciding, you know, what the concept of Godzilla was going to be. They flirted with the idea, the Japanese did, of making him an octopus. No nope. people believe that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, know. you keep encountering these octopus facts lately. I, I got to keep an eye on <laughs> you between the you. octopi testing ecstasy. Yeah, I know. I know. The octopus are kind of, you know, <laughs> they're hanging in the fringes and, yep. uh, and waiting for an opportunity to take the spotlight. But, uh, but yeah, it's it kind of funny if you think about the potential implications of Godzilla not being... You There's know, no way people like could get a, behind an octopus. I don't There's think no so. Way. It creeps people out too much. Yeah, I and think. really, if, if Godzilla was a... Con- from the get-go, if he wasn't a bipedal monster, you know, yeah, yeah. could he have been that sympathetic? Because all the other yeah. ones were running around... Like, you know, before him and Kong, I think it was the beast from 20,000 Fathoms, yes. which is one of the earliest stop-motion, you know, dinosaur hits the streets kind of thing. Yeah. Not a sympathetic character because it's on four legs. Right. But yet the two biggest ones, Kong and Godzilla, Our walk around legs. on two legs. Yeah. Again, it's kind of, uh, we can but, relate to that. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of funny because over the years, both have been villains, both have been heroes. Yes, they have. Yep. You know, the, the latest incarnation of Godzilla, uh, the 2014 film, and then its sequel in the 2019 film, you know, Godzilla is kind of a hero. Yep. You know, he's yep. kind of protecting man against... You know, the, mm. these awful monsters, like this one in particular, uh, I think in the film he's called Ghidorah, though in the old films he was also referred to as Monster Zero. Mm-hmm. He is the de facto bad guy. Yeah. And, you and know, a he, singular scream, too. You always yeah. knew when he was like coming out to the which, screen. Which goes right through <laughs> you, man. You know, if you don't get chills, then you, you <laughs> don't have a pulse. But, you know, with, with these two new films, they've kind of also... Uh, weaved in, I don't want to say political considerations, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I guess you know, common considerations yeah. and whatnot. There regarding are some environmental, environment. exactly. Right. Yes, and they've kind of shaped really both of these characters now because in the latest uh, Kong movie, Skull Island, he's really only brought to bear with his anger after they just start miscellaneously bombing, That's, looking for oil yeah, and minerals. fucking around with them. So yeah. really, both of these um, characters now are more like what we call elementals. Yes. And they're, they're children of the planet, so to speak. So they're coming back, and they have an agenda. There's, there's a lot more of a <laughs> met- metaphorical element to them. Yes. Once again. Yep. Nature's yeah. pissed off, and she's a coming to get you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, 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 it's kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's uh, obviously... Uh, an intentional theme with both, right? You know that has been weaved in, but they don't go overboard to it where it's going to offend anybody. Right. Well, I think the next one's going to be a, a three-way battle between Kong, Godzilla, and Greta Thornburg. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. What's her name? <laughs> that little, little little Scandinavian lass that's all about the environment. How dare you! Oh, please, Kong, they, eat they, her. They, they may somehow weave her in. Yeah, she'll be she'll, she'll be on the boat. She'll she'll be heading out there. Oh, such good stuff! Good I, God. You know, we could just go on forever talking yeah, about we this. We could, which is a funny thing because it uh, it is a lot of fun to talk about. Sure, and, and you know, a very uh, conscious decision on both our parts to veer back away from yep. uh, current events and whatnot. We dipped our toe in the current events thing. <laughs> Last week, and you know, we both dipped it right back out again. Yeah, yeah, that required a lot of alcohol (laughs) after the show last week. To uh, the floor is lava, folks. Believe me. Yeah. So, (laughs) and I got to show uh, Michael Sean Lee the the trailer for Godzilla vs. King Kong. Which, folks, if you haven't seen it, oh my god! It was like the old Twilight's episode. I kicked the can. I watched him like devolve into a toddler. 
Oh, man, yeah. It's, it's funny how that does that to you. It totally yep. does. That, yeah, it brings you back to you being a kid again. Yep. You know, the, which is the, a lot the, of fun. The, the trailer fades to black, and he's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> See, so it's good for the spirit. We need more of this. Absolutely. And we need vaccines so we can go to the theater right. and watch this shit, man. God. But you know what? Then, what do you got waiting for you? Shootings. So I know. Just go I out know. and buy a big TV. They're, they're cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably <laughs> true. I may have to go that route. I may but have on that to. note, folks, yeah. yes, let's, uh, let's... Time for another gem, John. Time for another gem. Let's do it. Let's visit... Oh, well, since we started on the East Coast with Boston... Let's dip our toes in Chi-Town. All right. Let's work right? our way west. Yeah. How about a little tune by one of my favorite artists, Mr. J.D. McPherson, doing a song called Northside Gal. Nice. We'll be back in a few minutes with some more heated things. And person rocks yes um that song uh was not too long about five years ago i guess because he's, he's still relatively new to the scene That's, it's that recent yeah and Boy, uh, he treats that classic good yes, he treats it good as he does a lot of them he does rockabilly motown and yeah. and yeah. does it uh, you know artistically and technically like those songs yeah. were meant to sound and correct me if i'm wrong but the reference no side girl that's chicago correct it's totally chicago nice. which is our next stop on Songs Across <laughs> America. Americana, folks. Americana right. gems. Good I, stuff. I couldn't Good find stuff. any songs about Al Capone or deep dish pizza, so yeah. we went with Northside Gal. <laughs> but I could have mailed it in and do, you know, uh, Blues Brothers. 
Sweet yeah. Home Chicago. Actually, yeah, very that much worked. so, very much so. And yeah, there's there's a long list of of you know songs about Chicago, but unfortunately, they do fall outside of the uh, the big boom radio right uh, purview of songs. <laughs> but boy, they do exist. This loosely thrown up fence. Where we keep our mutated cows, also known as our theme. Yeah. <laughs> the fence we frequently knock down. Yes. Yeah. Frequently. But all good. And like I said, that I love that song. I love yeah. that song. It's just a toe-tapping jangle. It, it's a classic Johnny Teflon song because yeah. it gets your toes to tapping. It's simple. But yeah. the, uh, the that, obvious mastery of their instruments yeah. and vocals Now, is correct there. me if I'm wrong, but that was originally a Little Richard tune, wasn't it? I'm not sure. I think it but was. I'll go with you on that I one. I think it was. Yeah. If not, it should have been because that that would have fit Richard yeah. perfectly. And the thing I like about Jaden McPherson was that he was a music school teacher. Yeah. And was laid off, and he spun that around to like, you know what? I'm going to go make music no professionally shit. now. You guys did me a favor. You kicked me loose. Fuck right? you. I'm going to go and do so, rock and hey, roll. Sometimes in life, that's what it takes. I love it. You know? I love it. I like the guy. I don't even know him, and I like the See? guy. Good stuff. Good All stuff. All right. So, so anyway. Segment number two. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of like what we were talking about, um, you know, with 30, I think it's 33 mm-hmm, Godzilla mm-hmm. films and God knows how many Kong films. Hollywood, <laughs> Hollywood does like its reboots. It to likes boot its or not to boot. I know. I know. And, and unfortunately, as is frequently the case, uh-huh. uh, with, and I'm a Godzilla purist, obviously, <laughs> but the vast majority, you know, of those movies were fucking terrible. They were awful. I'm going to say to you, the, the next date you're on, sir, yeah. try to avoid the phrase, I'm a Godzilla purist. That's probably, probably That might a be a idea. recipe for That's disaster. Probably a good idea. Yeah. I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. <laughs> it would take a very neat girl to appreciate that. <laughs> it truly would. It truly would. And in general, as a rule, I don't bring that up. I really don't. Okay, fair enough. Know, fair enough. You know. But, I'm here uh, for you, man. I'm I your brother. And I'm that. Just you got trying my to, back. You know. I like it. I like it. I appreciate it. God knows somebody has to have my back. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, there is definitely a fondness in Hollywood for for reboots, old is for new sequels, yep. um, and it, it seems at least you know as 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 far as the research I've done that more often than not doesn't work. Doesn't work. No. And yet know? they pay people millions of dollars to come up with these concepts, sit in meetings, build it up, flesh it out. Yeah. And at some point, you know, they've all got to sit there and like, okay, what are we going to do? Yeah. And there's a couple sycophants and, and yes men and yes ladies. And mm-hmm. Well, it's obvious <laughs> that they feel, um, you know, a lot more confident with uh, reboots that have their base in a successful Yes, uh, that's first what we look effort. at it. Yep. Yeah, yep. first movie, first series, Built whatever. Built-in audience. But yeah, but they, they just don't seem to connect A with B mm-hmm. in the fact that there are some things and there are some places you should not go. Exactly. That's what we're going to zoom in on, folks. Yeah. I mean, with as our, far as, I, our I mean, opinions. Yeah. <laughs> as near as I can tell, as far as like straight-up reboots, mm-hmm. um, the only one that I'm aware of uh, as far as TV shows uh, that ever really worked was Battlestar Galactica. You know, where they took the original concept, mm, yeah. they carried it. I mean, you know, with, with like uh, Star Trek Next Generation and whatnot, that wasn't a reboot, it was a sequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and there's some success to be had with the sequels, but as far as like straight up reboots, right. most of them tank. Most of them are terrible. Well, I'll tell you what, zeroing in on that. Yes. Uh, that is one, and I'm in agreement with you. That, that totally worked. I appreciate that. Um, what other reboots would you like to see? Can you can you think of some that you would Ooh, like to see? Um, 
Yeah, actually, as far as... And I've got to qualify this by saying, since the cable explosion mm-hmm. of the 1990s, it's insane how many TV shows and TV yeah. series are out there. It's absolutely stunning. It's very, very difficult to wrap mm-hmm. your brain around the whole thing. You know, there are so many obscure shows that ran on, you know, whatever bullshit network mm-hmm. was out there. And, and, and people are favorites of that, so... You know, I, I tend more to focus on the, the big ones, you right, know, the, right. the most iconic, th- iconic things. But uh, if I could see, uh, not a reboot, mind you, but a sequel, um, I'd love to see a sequel to The X-Files. Okay. You know, they kind of they went down that road not too long ago and did a sequel, you know, with uh, Mulder and Scully, mm-hmm. um, where they picked up where they left off and ran like... I don't know, 10 episodes or 9 episodes right, that, right. that aired on the original network. Wouldn't mind seeing them pick that up with different characters. Mm. You know, have, have you know, Scully and Mulder be like, you know, veteran, retired right, uh, right. FBI agents. You know, Give them walk-ons here and yeah, there. Yeah, particularly in Mulder's case being that wingnut freak mm-hmm. that's maybe retired and he's living in a cabin in, you know, Antarctica that right. maybe they, you know, they'll consult with him or something. But find two new characters that could be the new Scully and the new yeah. Mulder. I think they had to run because with it. that show ran for so long and there were so many episodes. That was, yeah, it was like nine years, I think. Nine yeah. or ten years, which is unprecedented it's a daunting uh, for a TV series. And, yeah, you're not going to bring back Scully and Mulder. They're two, you know, Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny are, I think, past the point mm. where they could or either or whether e- either one of them would. I don't think mm. they would. But maybe they could be those... You know, elders and whatnot. Right. And if we could find, you know, new characters. Or have them be the smoking man, and they're the yeah, ones that send out exactly. the newbie agents. Exactly. You know. The hardest thing, and this is the thing that, that I think Hollywood gives no credence for whatsoever, is chemistry. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, when you are fortunate enough to get a cast together that has chemistry and can run with it, they can even take a shit script and make it good. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, duplicating chemistry. I mean, you and I talked about this before the show. You know, shows like uh, Friends or the, the West Wing, mm-hmm. you couldn't do those again. You know, you, you captured lightning in a bottle with the original cast of characters. You got lucky. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't, you're, you're not going to be able to do that again. You got to right, do right. something completely different. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, yeah, you know, and, and particularly in the case of the Westwood, West Wing, excuse me, that was... Uh, iconic and specific to its time period. Mm-hmm. It's a different time now. Yeah, we're too jaded now. We don't believe anything that goes on <laughs> behind the White House walls. There is no good or bad guys anymore. That, that is probably true. Yep. But uh, but yeah, in answer to your question, I would love to see them uh, do another X Files, but bring it up to date. Bring mm-hmm. it bring it up to now, especially with all the shit going on with conspiracy theories and all this this right, other stuff. Right. It would seem to be. Uh, a ripe time. Like you do prime an episode time. on the QAnon. Exactly. Oof. Exactly. That's what I'm talking Oof. about. Yeah. And, and or Antifa, even though it doesn't exist. <laughs> That's a debate for another day. When when we're when we're doing contemporary shit. But yeah. For now we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna footnote that for a right. future episode. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on the matter, John? Well, uh yeah, I'm still in nerd mode from the Godzilla versus Kong thing. Nice. Um, and I believe HBO Max has already beaten me to the punch because I would like to see another live-action Batman series. All right. And the scuttlebutt is it's already in the works. Oh, no kidding. And they're going to do it after the next Batman movie comes out. Okay. Um, with a more serious tone and kind of what we call a year one 
uh, retrofitting. So it's going right. to go back as like a prequel, more or less. Yeah. Um, and look, it's either going to be great or it's going to suck. There's going to be no middle ground. Yeah. But I think if they do it, you know, with an hour format for one season of 12 episodes, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's funny. It seems to be a mentality in Hollywood that you can do that. You can go back to the beginning mm -hmm. with Batman and Spider-Man. Yeah. You know, you can totally re-envision, you know, the, the timeline, the characters, the details mm -hmm. to current events, current time, whatever you want to, you know, say about that. And I don't necessarily agree with them, right. but... But at least in the case of Batman, I know the Christopher Nolan Batman films were stunning. Yeah, you know, and if he, they could, he was on point with, yeah. with his take on it. If they could do that, you know, in the context of TV, mm -hmm. I mean, if they could pull it off, I'd be all for it. I'd right. watch it. You know? Yeah, my other two guilty pleasure indulgences. Yeah, as I look back to my whimsical childhood, um, there was a I think a two season run of a show uh, directed and produced, and I think written by. Steven Spielberg in the mid-'80s called Amazing Stories. Okay. It was on NBC. Yeah. yeah, I vaguely remember that. And it was not just uh, science fiction um, or mythology, things like that. It was just really good storytelling okay. of a fanciful nature. It was an anthology series, so every week it was a different hour-long episode. Yeah. But it captured the magic of cinema and put it on the small screen. Okay. And it had Steven Spielberg at his height, his fingerprints, all over it, all right. know, every yeah. single episode. I would love to see them attempt to do that again with a lot of these other up-and-coming directors that are in Hollywood now because sure. there's so sure. much talent out there. Yep. And we know, you know writers always write, so there's got to be great stories that are still get to be told or, or brought to the small or the big screen. Okay. So not everything has to be a reboot. Yep. And then, um, again, revisiting my, my misspent <laughs> youth, and this is actually before my time, but there was a show uh, called Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Yes. Wasn't that a cartoon, a Saturday morning cartoon? Didn't they have a uh, version no, of that? No, no, no. This no? was a, a live action. No, that's, that was Leagues Under the Sea. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. That was right. Maybe. Yeah, okay. that was the cartoon. Okay. So, you know, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, it's, it's got that, which has been done before, um, the super sophisticated nuclear-powered submarine. Right. We saw that in Sequest. Uh, DSV, which was on NBC for a bunch of years. Mm -hmm. But what I liked about Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea is that when it first started, um, I'm thinking mid to late, yeah, probably mid-60s, it was in black and white. So it hadn't even made the jump to color yet. Okay. And it was very uh, militarized. So this was a U.S. Navy submarine, and they were investigating you know, nuclear uh, blackmail and things like that, very heavy subjects. Yeah. And then it kind of got campy once color was introduced. <laughs> and that week's villain was a giant carrot running up and down the submarine uh, killing people, you know. Yeah. But I would love to see them do that with a big budget um, with more of the military aspect of it. Okay. Um, it was an Irwin Allen production. Yes. Was, you know, it was all about disaster movies. Towering in the 60s Inferno. And exactly. Yes. And one of his trademarks was the flying submarine from Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Really? And he used that in a bunch of different movies. He was so proud of it. This little yellow flying submarine would shoot out from, you know, out of the water. Yeah. Um, but again, just a, a fun show and... They should redo it. That's just interesting. Sense. Yeah. Interesting thought. Interesting thought. Okay. And those, of course, for both of us are ones that would work. Yeah. Now, the flip side of that coin is, well, frankly, shows or movies that they should never Stay touch. the fuck away from these. Yeah. And since we're really talking about TV in this, yeah. what ones uh, come to mind for you that they should never, ever even think about touching? Well, the, the, the first one that comes to mind, the first one right off the top of my head is an HBO series called The Newsroom. 
Okay, yep. I don't familiar. remember that. Yep, they yep. did three seasons, and I remember being absolutely crushed. Because um, it ended kind of suddenly. Well, they took, a, they took a long delay, a lot of The Sopranos, between mm-hmm. season two and season three. And season three only consisted of six episodes. Oof. And I remember, you know, when that was announced prior to the show starting, it was like, how oh, the fuck could you wrap this up in right, six right. episodes? And by the way, how dare you? Mm-hmm. You know, but it was an Aaron Sorkin uh, production. It was very idealistic. And the reason why I would want them to stay away from it was because the last episode was damn near perfect. Mm-hmm. Damn near perfect. I mean, they tied it off. They wrapped it up. And I'm not sure where they could possibly go from there that wouldn't undercut or cheapen, mm-hmm. you know, that last episode. I mean, as much as I'd love to see the newsroom again. Right, right. And in all honesty, I do still watch reruns fairly mm-hmm. frequently. Um, but, you know, they so nailed it. I mean, it's very much like The Sopranos. Right. The last episode, they absolutely nailed it. And it's like, okay, walk away. Just mm-hmm. fucking walk away. Don't look back. Don't look over your shoulder. Don't reminisce. Don't do anything. Just keep walking. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, it was... It and was... play the depressing Hulk music as you do it. Yeah, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> Absolutely. What are your thoughts on it, John? Well, I, I tell you what, after listening to you, you talk about the newsroom, um, and because it was also an HBO series, I was a big fan of Deadwood when yep, it was on HBO. Yep, yep. With Timothy Oliphant. Wasn't yeah. he in there? Yeah, really. And I would watch that guy read a phone book. He's, right? he's amazing. And um, Ian McShane. Okay. Who, yep, yep, yep. You know, before that was relegated to Black Adder on, on the BBC and all <laughs> yep, these type of roles. Yep, yep. Really made his, his American bones on Deadwood playing uh, Al Swearingen, the saloon owner. Yeah. And even though that show ended prematurely with contract disputes and whatnot, yeah. they made the decision, uh, it might have been last year, maybe the year before, to go back with a recap two hour movie. Interesting. To, to close the whole thing out. Yeah. And it was very well done. It wrapped up every single loose plot line. Nice. The characters either went off into the sunset or didn't. Yeah. <laughs> the way you kind of yeah. thought they would. Yeah. Because it was historically based. And they were able to match everything up. And it was a really well done yeah. job of, of going back and to purposely end it. Not to keep yeah. it going. But to end it on on a positive note. Well, that's the thing is that when, whenever whenever they're successful, you know, TV networks or HBO or or Showtime or whatever, whenever they're successful in that final episode, that mm-hmm. last thing before the curtain drops, it's like in so many cases it was so good. It's like please don't fuck with this. Right, right. Just don't. <laughs> you you nailed it. You know, walk away. Just leave it alone. You know? But in fairness, you know, you're a creative type, as am I we can all easily fall into the trap of going back and retooling things too oh, of much. of course, of course. You always want to revisit it and make it perfect, and sometimes that's... Well, there's, there's unfortunately many, many examples of that attempt being made and tanking, yeah. just absolutely tanking and, quite honestly, shitting on the original. You yeah. know, a good example, if I may jump in. All right. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, because this is, this is going back back to the 70s and whatnot. This will be going back to our, our, <laughs> our childhood uh, and dating the shit out of both of us. But uh, Kolchak the Night Stalker with yes. Darren McGowan. Remember that? Yep. Cult that, classic. Yeah. You know, and it, it was weird. The whole, everything about that series was weird. They had two made-for-TV movies mm-hmm. that preceded the series. Hmm. And both of them were successful. So they did the series. They did one season of it and then cut it off for whatever reason. And... They tried on a couple of different occasions. After the show got popular in syndication, it kind of did a Star Trek on them. 
mm-hmm. you know, where it, it got into syndication and people dug it and it became a cult right, favorite. Right. So they revisited it not once but twice and fucking tanked. Mm-hmm. It was just terrible. And, you know, it, it doesn't get through to these people because they're... Priority, you know, the people who greenlight these things, their priority is money. You sure, know, they don't sure. look at the creative side of it. But and money, accountants and creatives don't mix. Yeah, but both sequels, I think one was one was a. It may have, in, in fact, the, they may have been both movies. I I don't remember correctly, but they both tanked. Yeah, and it's like walk away now, guys. Walk away. Leave it the fuck alone. Just mm. walk away. And uh, you know, sometimes that's the way it is. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're not going to take it any further than you already did. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of times you have to desecrate the memory of the original sure. before you figure that out. You got to walk over its grave yep. a couple times. So. Now, speaking of desecrating the original, yeah, uh, I just got one more. I'll, I'll throw out there before All right. another gem. Nice. Um, Hogan's Heroes. Oh, you know, I wouldn't go anywhere near that. And one. you really couldn't. Yeah, because and and now it, it's one of those shows that's almost vilified in the canceled culture um, Is it really? circles. Yes, why? Because it doesn't acknowledge the horrors of World War oh, II. Right, right, it's right. like fun and games, and of course you've got the lovable bumbling commandant. He's not shooting anybody in the back of the head like somebody yeah. from Schindler's List, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but in as much as you know the the way Corporal the show Clink, was at it? the time, um, Clink. Colonel Clink, Colonel Clink, yes, there we go, yeah. And he had Colonel and Burkhalter sh- and, and Schultz. And Schultz. Yeah. Schultz. <laughs> I see nothing. I see nothing. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, look, shows like that. Another one, just like it, different uh, time period. F Troop. Yep. I mean, these, these we're not supposed to take these shows as canon, you no. know? No, no, no. I mean, all. please, how long do you think Gilligan's Island would have lasted before these fuckers were eating each other? <laughs> I mean, talk about tearing down yeah, the fourth wall. Truth, truth and honesty. Come on, sure, people, wise sure. up. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, realistically, you couldn't do Ogan Zeros again because it's just too much brutality and, and cruelty and non-PC and it's kind of, stuff. Kind of, kind of funny, as successful as that series was, yeah. that they haven't tried, at least to the best of my knowledge, they haven't right. tried. I mean, that may have been. You know, something to do with the weirdness that... Uh, Bob Crane. Yeah. <laughs> that was some weird shit. You know, yep. they made a movie on the weird shit aspect yeah. of it, but there's, thankfully... There's a healthy portion of weird the shit there. Not the series itself. i Tarantino but. hasn't taken a turn <laughs> on that. Well, you never know with Quentin. It, right. It, it, might be, it might be in the in the on-deck circle. You never know. But I tell you what, you know, <laughs> let's get... Well, we got through that. Uh, we're approaching... If you please look out the left side of your window as yes. we continue this trek across America, <laughs> down to your left, you'll see a little sleepy burg of Las Vegas. Oh. It's our next stop, sir. Very good, very good. Music Around America, or whatever uh, we're like calling it. it. Yeah, Is that what we're calling it? I don't know. We'll call it something. <laughs> we'll call it that. What the but hell? Our, our, our rock and roll plane is touching down in Las Vegas with what song, sir? I like it. I like it. Uh, well, I know we were flirting with a couple of different songs. A couple ones. Um, but what did we come up with? We um, came up with... I, wait a minute. This was... I, I remember this was something obscure that you pulled out that, that shocked me. Wow. Way to take yourself out of the arena of blame if it well, no, no, goes no, over no, like no. a fart. Sure. <laughs> Oh, it was all for it. Throwing oh, it right back the at you, John. Yeah. Throwing it right back. But no, I'm 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 all for the surprise factor. So let's uh, <laughs> let's 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 spin this little gem out, and then we'll tell people about it afterwards. Fair enough, that? folks. All right, we'll be back in a couple minutes with some things and stuff. Falling asleep at the wheel again, baby. You're drifting over the line, line, yeah Your hands are tied but you're losing grip quickly Fix, make a new read the signs Thumbing your way to Vegas, dirty And dreaming of the other side Save 
me your tears and laughter Because it doesn't matter what you find It ain't pretty baby <laughs> but that was some unexpected fun and uh, uh, credit yep. where credit is due johnny turned me on to this particular song yeah uh you know in our in our uh, in our pre-show and i gotta say i was impressed i was very very well, impressed. Like, like you said before we were cycling through a bunch of different songs and we were kind of set on viva las vegas yeah because it screams well we're in las vegas now yeah. you know yeah um, and we listened to the Elvis version, the Bruce, Bruce Springsteen version, version yeah. the ZZ Top version, yeah. and neither of us were in love with, with any of them. None of them knocked us out. And then we thought, well, hey, let's go back to California again. And then all of a sudden, I remember this song by In Excess, which I'm a fan. You're like, yeah, tepid on that. Which is, which is the big shock. That was what you just heard, folks, an In Excess tune. Yes. And it was the one tune of, of notoriety they had uh, with J.D. Fortune, who was the winner of the TV show Rockstar, colon, in excess. So he had won. He was become like the, the new lead singer. 
And that song was released on iTunes as a single in 2005. And kind of took off, yeah, you know. Credit where credit is due. It's a gem, right? It's I a mean, gem. look, he's no Michael Hutchins, but for a, a one-off, shit, I'll take it. Absolutely, you know. And, and it does and encapsulate that dirty, dusty Vegas. Yeah, feel. it nails it. It nails it. Yes. And I'm, I'm sorry, but just because <laughs> you know, maybe you only had one hit, and maybe you were classified as a quote-unquote one-hit wonder, doesn't mean the tune you did wasn't a gem. Bingo. And he actually wrote that song, too. Did he really? Yes. Wow. And that was his way of jumping ahead of the competition and winning that show. Props to him, man. Props to him. Because I dug that. And John and I always debate the qualifications of a gem. Yep. And that one just (laughs) fell into it. It definitely did. So fortune favors the bull. Yes. All right. Now, in other news, this is not something we normally do because we like to stick to the whole musical genre. Uh, especially when it comes to passings of well-known individuals. Yeah, but there are some iconic things that we acknowledge. Right, and there's things that, like you mentioned, we we agree on. We do enjoy us a comedy. We do enjoy us a classic comedy, and perhaps none more so than the classic Young Young Frankenstein. Frankenstein. No, it's pronounced Frankenstein. And a couple days ago, we lost uh, Miss Cloris Leachman, um, who, for those of you who have seen the movie, played the role of Frau Blucher, <laughs> yes, which was always and accompanied by that there whinny. And uh, do you know why that is? The horse always whinnied when they say. I, I don't. Do you do enlighten us? Yeah, John. because Blucher is German for glue. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's just that much funnier. Just kidding, folks. That's an urban legend. Absolutely. But to go back, and I I was sitting there watching clips of her interacting with with Gene Wilder, and you could obviously tell all the ad-libbing they did. Yep. And Mel Brooks just gave him free reign because he he trusted them. Yeah, let him go. And that cast had so much fun doing that movie. And it was a great movie, an absolutely phenomenal movie in the the, uh, icon of comedy, of that kind of comedy. Um, and even yeah. the decision just to do it in black and white is oh, I funny. Know. I mean, every little and it, and it holds up to this day. <laughs> oh, of it course, holds it up does. to this day, it which does. is which is the amazing thing about it. And uh, obviously, Cloris Leachman was a huge part of that. Yep. Uh, you know, very significant member of the cast. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we take a moment to acknowledge uh, Miss Leachman and her contribution to one of the greatest comedies of all absolutely. time. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I tell you what, uh, you know, on that note, that's probably going to be it for this episode of the Rips and Rants podcast. And thank you so much, as always, everybody, for joining us. And, well, signing off for me, Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. We will see you guys next time on the flip side. Enjoy this little ditty from Young Frankenstein. Would the doctor care for a brandy before retiring? No. Thank you. Some warm milk? Perhaps? No, thank you very much. No thanks. Ovaltine. Nothing. Thank you. I'm a little tired.